I think it's about time that we take a trip up the street to the little house that Mr. and Mrs. Victor Gook live in with their adopted son, Rush. Mrs. Gook, better known as Sade, and her husband, Victor, lived a quiet life in a Midwestern town. Art Van Harvey played Vic, and Bernadine Flynn was Sade. The creator and writer of the series was Paul Reimer. Many critics of the time likened Reiner to Norman Rockwell in the way that he created a marvelously simple, perfect, and heartwarming image of a typical American day-to-day life. In this series that ran from 1932 to 1946, the strangest normal things seem to happen to this family all the time. What makes this show so special besides the amazing acting of Van Harvey, Flynn, and Billy Idelson, who plays their adopted son, Rush, is the dialogue. The talk between the characters is amazing. For many years, Rush, Vic, and Sade were the only voices the audience heard. If there was any action, it always took place in their house. Speaking of sounds, the only sound we hear in this house is the phone ringing, and then we are privileged to hear a one-sided conversation of Vic, or Sade, or Rush, talking to a person who called. The conversations among our three characters were considered classic literature by popular writers of the time like um, O. Ray Bradbury, James Thurber, and Ogden Nash, who, by the way, compared the writer Paul Reimer to Mark Twain. John Dunning, in his book On the Air, the Encyclopedia of Old Time Radio, writes, They can say radio's home folk was in no way a soap opera. It was not even a serial in the usual definition of the word. Its story was told in thousands of 12-minute sketches without dramatic continuity, the best of them standing alone like fine, short stories. Each was a little slice of life, an American original in a category of its own making, as unique as its author's fingerprint. In the words of announcer Bob Brown, they can say immediately became an island of delight in the sea of tears. He was, of course, referring to the many, many soap operas that were heard on the other networks at the same time. On this track, you're going to hear two back-to-back episodes of Vic and Sade. The first is The Demise of Bernice, from January 21st, 1941, and then from January 22nd, 1941, a very pleasant noon hour. This is Alum Radio, a different kind of oldies program. I'm your host, John Lovering, and I do thank you for stopping in and listening to Vic and Sade. And I invite you to listen to more episodes of Vic and Sade on the playlist located on SoundCloud.com, where this podcast originates. Well, sir, it's late afternoon as we enter the small house halfway up in the next block now. And here in the living room, we find Mrs. Victor Gook and young Mr. Rush Gook. The latter is standing beside the Davenport removing his overcoat, having just this moment arrived home. And his mother, glancing at him, observed, You look sad. I am. Get a bad mark in your algebra? Uh-uh. What's the matter? Bernice died today. Who? Bernice, Howard's sister. What you talking about? Howard Who? Mr. Gumfox's horse, Howard. Oh, gave me a start there for a second. Uh His sister died, hmm? Passed away this morning at exactly two minutes after 11. 
Too bad. Yes. Was it an old horse? Sixteen. That's pretty old, isn't it, for a horse? Yes. How old is Howard? Fourteen. Bernice was his elder sister. Uh, when did you hear the news? Just now. I was coming along the alley on my way home from Tatman's vacant lot, and when I went past Mr. Gumpox's shanty, where he keeps his garbage wagon, I saw both him and Howard standing outside. He drew me off to one side and told me what happened. Drew you off to one side so Howard wouldn't hear? Well, I expect Howard wouldn't have understood if he had heard, but it was kind of the decent thing to do. Mm. Mr. Gumpox is quite upset. Was anything in particular the matter with what's her name? Bernice. Bernice? She's never been very well. Delicate constitution. I understand everybody in Howard's family is delicate. Howard certainly is. <laughs> the way he stands with his head hanging down by his knees, a person would think he was going to fall down any second. He will one of these days. Uh, Howard got any other uh, brothers and sisters besides this Bernice? One other brother, Kenneth. He's in the employ of the Anderson Cartage and Transit Company. Dray Horse, hmm? Yes. Kenneth's the baby of the family, only nine years old. But he's not very strong either. Coughs a lot. I see him every once in a while. Takes after Howard quite a good deal. Same shape head and same color coat and mane. <laughs> Has uh, he been notified about Bernie? This business don't strike me very funny, Mom. Oh, well, and some old horse. Yes, some old horse. But Mr. Gumpox is very much upset. The handwriting on the wall rush, he told me just now. Bernice passed away today, and won't be many more days before somebody else does the same thing. And he nodded his head significantly at Howard. Mm. Oh, by the way, I promised I'd tell Uncle Fletcher. <laughs> What's Uncle Fletcher care? Mr. Gumpock seemed to think he'd be interested. At least he asked me to telephone him. Mm. So I guess I'd better do it. Hmm. Mrs. Keller's number is 5697J. Mm-hmm. See, Uncle Fletcher spends considerable time in Mr. Gumpox's company and naturally takes an interest in Howard and Howard's affairs. Hmm. It's understandable. I wish you'd quit talking in that mournful tone of voice, Willie. Give the person the fidget. 5697J? Yes. 5697J. I beg pardon? 5697J, not... 5697J. 5697J, please. Hmm. Operator will think you're calling for the hearse. I suppose it is comical to feel sad about some old animal dying, but I've got a lot of sympathy for Mr. Gumpox. He works shoulder to shoulder with Howard. Day in and day out, him and Howard are together. All right. Howard's sister all of a sudden goes to work and kicks the bucket. Don't you see how he must... Hello, Mrs. Keller... Rush Cook, Mrs. Keller. Is Uncle Fletcher at home, Mrs. Keller? Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Well, will you please? Thanks very much. Goodbye, Mrs. Keller. He's not there right now, but she expects him any minute. She's going to have him call me back. You sounded like you had bad news. Well, haven't I? No sense in disturbing Uncle Fletcher's landlady. No. <laughs> you gonna sit there with that long face and stare at your shoes the rest of the afternoon? I'll cheer up directly. 
I hope so. Oh. Where'd uh, Mr. Gumpox find out the information about Howard's sister? Raymond Belcher Bierman ran over with the news. Who's that? Milk wagon driver. Was Bernice a milk wagon horse? Yes. It's hard work pulling a milk wagon around. Bad hours, too. Know what time a milk wagon horse has to get up in the morning? What time? 3.30. Hmm? Anybody will weaken under a strain like that morning after morning after morning. Hmm. But Bernice was cheerful and willing. Raymond Belcher Bierman pays her the tribute of saying Bernice had the sunniest disposition oh, 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 of... Oh, stop it. Hmm? Give a person the willies. Hmm? Go outdoors and play, why don't you? I must wait for Uncle Fletcher's phone call. I'll tell him the news when he telephones. Mr. Gumpox expects me to notify him in person. Oh, gosh. Oh. How'd you come out on that algebra examination you are talking about at the dinner table this noon? Uh, quite well, I believe. There were ten questions, and I knew all of them except the second part of the third. I expect I'll get a grade of 90 at least. The reason oh, I think... Oh, quit talking like that. Mm-hmm. Man. Bernice was considered very good-looking. Good-looking for a milk wagon horse. She had a glossy Let's, coat. Let's uh, change the subject. Hmm? I don't want to hear any more about Bernice. Oh. What you going to do tonight? Go to the picture show? Possibly. They got a good show on. What is it? Gloria Golden and four-fisted Frank Fuddleman and something or other. I am distracted with love for you, Assistant Umpire Williamson. I guess so. Oh. Maybe I can talk your father into going. Hmm. Bernice passed away quietly. I said I didn't want to hear any more about Bernice. Oh. I feel like a picture show tonight. Hope I can get your father loose from his easy chair and noose. Uh, for me, probably. Might be Miss Dembottom. Shall I answer it? Go ahead. Thank you. Oh, Rush, you're such a cotton head. Hello? Oh, yes, Uncle Fletcher. Say, Uncle Fletcher, brace yourself for a shock. Oh, will you cut out that nonsense? Oh, you heard? Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Yes, I know. Very much upset. Oh, Russ. Uh-huh. Yes, he told me. Yes, very sad. True. 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 was all, Uncle Fletcher. Mr. Gumpox asked me to notify you, and I promised him. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. All right, then, Uncle Fletcher. All right. Uh-huh. Why, she's sitting right here, Uncle Fletcher. Would you care to... Okay. Uncle Fletcher says hello, ma'am. Hello, himself. She says to tell you hello. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's very sad. Yes. All right, then, Uncle Fletcher. You bet. Goodbye. He'd already heard the news. Hmm. He saw and talked to Mr. Gumpox right after I did. Hmm. He said Mr. Gumpox's eyes were suspiciously moist. Hmm. Man, a very, very strange thing happened this morning. This more about Bernice? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Bernice died at exactly two minutes past 11. Yes, that's very strange. I haven't told you the strange thing yet. Tell me the strange thing. At exactly two minutes past 11 this morning, Mr. Gumpox and Howard were going up the alley between Kelsey and Evans Street. Well? At exactly two minutes past 11, for no reason in the world, Howard... Yeah? ...stopped dead in his tracks. Really? Stopped dead in his tracks. Hmm. For no reason. Mr. Gumpox says, you have Howard. Howard never moved. What's eating you, you fathead, Mr. Gumpox says. And after a little bit, Howard heaved a heavy sigh and continued on up the alley. Hmm. Is that peculiar or not? It's peculiar. It's most peculiar. Hmm. Mom. Uh-huh. May I have a piece of bread and butter? Help yourself. Thank you. You still sad? Yes. Mm-hmm. Bernice, Howard's loving sister, passed away today. have attacks of asthma, hay fever, foul breath, head colds, canker sores, bronchial irritation, or perhaps suffer from diseases of the throat. (laughs) Presenting Dr. Batty's Asthma Cigarettes for the temporary relief of these conditions. The secret ingredient in Dr. Batty's Asthma Cigarettes has been proven to be very effective in relieving the pre-mentioned conditions. Dr. Batty's asthma cigarettes have been bringing relief to thousands since 1882. (laughs) Note, Dr. Batty's asthma cigarettes are not recommended for children under six years of age. Well, sir, our friends who live in the small house halfway up in the next block have only just finished their noonday meal as we join them now. They're assembled in the living room, and Sade and young Rush are enjoying a brief recess between eating and dishwashing. The master of the menage is speaking at the moment, and we hear him say, I was half a man, I'd follow my inclinations and stretch out on the Davenport. I'd call up the office and tell him not to expect me this afternoon. Sleepy? Overwhelmingly so. You ate too much, Carl. True. Also, I slept an unconscionable number of hours last night. A fellow stay in bed longer than his regular schedule calls for. He finds himself drowsy and languid the next day. Watch out or you'll get to be like Gully Hooker there in Dixon. The name Gully Hooker eludes me. Father was straw boss on the railroad section gang. Uh-uh. You remember Gully? Wore one necktie down his back and one necktie down his chest. Uh-uh. Had two parts in his hair. Uh-uh. Oh, you must have known, Gully. What are you going to say about it? Great hella for sleep. Fell asleep while he was proposing marriage to Gertrude Skeetle. Dixon mm. people joked about it for years. Gully and Gertrude were sitting on the sofa, and Gully started his little speech about his great love, and 
would Gertrude consider him as a husband, and so on and so forth, and finally quit talking in order to wait for his answer, and Gertrude said she'd have to have a minute to think it over, and pretty soon she murmured yes, and looked at Gully, and there he was sound asleep with his mouth open. Not very romantic. No. <laughs> yeah. Nixon people joked about it for years. Who was witness to this tender tableau? Vernon Skeetle, Gertrude's little brother. He was hiding behind the bookcase. Would you accept, Gully? Oh, sure. Uncle Fletcher tells me they live in Belvedere now. Got five children, all girls. Gosh, but I wish I didn't have to go to work this afternoon. Well, Willie, shall we jump? We just now come in here, Mom. Got a terrible big stack of dishes today. You might just as well have stayed in the kitchen. Every noon, it's the same thing. We get up from the table and come in here and sit down, and about four seconds you say, Well, Willie, shall we jump? <laughs> yes, I guess I do. But it bothers me to have dirty dishes waiting in the sink. Let's give our dinner a chance to settle. You know the stunt you pull? What's that? You try to distract my attention by bringing me in here and talking a blue streak till pretty soon it's time for you to beat it off to school and I have to do the dishes by myself. Ah, oh, go on. Look at yesterday. Yesterday you done all the talking. You were telling Gov about Mr. Erickson coming whining around about wallpaper and upstairs. He was here again this morning, Vic. Erickson? Yes, wringing his hands and dabbing at his eyes. Seeking to escape from his place? Uh-huh. He promised us wall upstairs wallpaper, but he can't get himself to actually give us upstairs wallpaper. Haven't you got him caught like a rat in a trap? I'm scared he'll get loose. Slippery as an owl anyway, you know. Eel. Hmm? Eel. Eel? Slippery as an eel, not slippery as an owl. Miss Donahue says owl. I'm pretty sure it's eel. I wonder who's the smartest, little 14-year-old boys or grown-up ladies. Hmm. The lame, silly alibi he had this morning, Vic. Erickson. Tried to tell me it was hard to get wallpaper these days. Said the wallpaper manufacturers in South America were hanging on to it. South America? South America. United States don't get their wallpaper from South America, do they? News to me. I'll say. And just more and dabbing away at his eyes. Erickson is a pirate. Aggravates me sometimes to where I could scream. Mm. My golly, if I was to lean back on this Davenport, I'd go to sleep in four seconds. Well, Willie, shall we jump? Oh, my, we only just got sat down. All right, go ahead. Trick your poor old mother into doing all them dishes by herself. I'm going down on West Monroe Street this afternoon. Mrs. Hedges? Well, if I have time. It's Miss Trogel I'll go see first. She's got a new batch of pictures of Margaret's baby and has been dying to show them to me. Anything special you fellas want for supper? I'll be going past that fancy grocery place on Market Street on the way home. How about some of them great big black olives? We already got great big black olives. Where? Tucked away in a little hiding place I know about. Pantry. <laughs> Don't you wish you knew? Uh, <laughs> oh, say, Uncle Fletcher might come for supper tonight. Uh. He might, and he might not. He won't ever let a person pin him down. Afraid I'll go to extra trouble, see. And I don't care much for that way of doing business. I'm going to have company. I want to know in advance I'm going to have company. But Uncle Fletcher's can be obstinate as a mule. I don't want to put you to extra trouble, Sadie. If I stop by this evening, all you'll have to do is slap on an extra plate. If I don't stop by, you won't have to slap on an extra plate. 
No good trying to reason with them. And I want to know whether I'm cooking for three people or four people, Uncle Fletcher, I tell him. But he only shakes his head. <laughs> Uncle Fletcher is a cat, though. Yeah. Well, Willie? Shall we jump? <laughs> Fox ticking away like a cyclone. Pretty soon you'll hop up and dash off to school and your poor mother's left in the lurch with 9,000 dirty dishes. Hey, talking about dirty dishes, I'd hate to have to wash and wipe dishes for the Hendersons. Why? Frederick and his wife and two children have moved in with them. Which one's Frederick? He's a boy between Alvin and George. You know Frederick Henderson, Gov. Always wears bicycle pants clips, but don't own any bicycles. Oh, the guy we saw yesterday puffing away on a pipe without any tobacco in it? Yeah. He's funny about stuff. Wears garters but no socks. Wears a necktie but no collar. Wears cuffs but no sleeves. Wears bicycle pants clips and don't own a bicycle. Smokes away on a pipe that's got no tobacco inside. Is he a half-wit? Yeah. He is not. He's smart as a whip. Took all the honors when he graduated from high school. What do they call the fellow that does that? Valedictorian. Sure. No, when it comes to brains, there's no flies on Frederick Henderson. You say he's back with his parents now? Uh-huh. Had this wonderful position in Detroit, Michigan, but something happened. I don't know what. He'll find something else, though. How many does that make living at the Hendersons? Well, let's see. Alvin George, foreign her man. Henry and his college chum and the college chum's cousin. Edna and her man and baby. Charlie and his wife, the old folks, now Frederick and his family. Eighteen. Imagine. Boy, you must have a stack of dishes to wash and wipe that choke a horse. Let's go investigate how big a stack of dishes we got. Oh, take it easy, man. Uh-huh. Noon hour's a very pleasant time, ain't it? Grand. No, I mean that. Fella sits around with his family and chats about this and that and feels easy and comfortable. I believe the noon hour is my favorite part of the day. Mm -hmm. Think of all other houses up and down the street where people are enjoying their noon hour. As far as that goes, think of all the people all over town, all over the county, all over the state. Mm -hmm. Well, right this minute, millions of different families are sitting in their living room digesting their dinner. Mm -hmm. The more I think of it, the more I'm convinced the noon hour is my favorite part of the day. If you'll fetch me volume seven out of my large library, I'll read you what R.J. Kunk has to say about the new night. <laughs> oh, heck, some other time. Maybe I can remember a few of his jewel thoughts. In hock ad liberatis spinach hunk. Sim spiddle ad cornucopia dumb clock beep. Nomenclature easy money rock. Tipple stucco crash. Greek junk, huh? Latin junk. Huh? I never cease to be amazed that a boy in high school cannot differentiate between Greek junk and Latin junk. Oh. oh, gosh, but I wish I could sleep this afternoon. Can't hardly keep my eyes open. You'll feel brisk enough once you get outside in the fresh air and walk to the office. I suppose. I hate to emerge from this sweet language. Well, Willie. <laughs> Shall we jump? Let's do Six more seconds. Two more seconds. Okay. Any little old message you want me to give Alvy Trogel or Charlie Heddles when I'm down on West Monroe Street this afternoon? Tell Alvy Trogel I love him. Tell Charlie Heddles to expect a large bunch of American beauty roses first thing tomorrow morning. All right. Boy, but I'm sleepy. Mm-hmm. No, sir, by George, that's the truth. 
Noon hour is my favorite time of the day. I can sit around easy and comfortable with my father and mother and digest my dinner and chat about this, that, and other things. Mm. Boy, I better crawl out of this lethargy, I guess. Walk in here, hat and overcoat, so I can put you on. Two seconds, we said, Willie. Uh-huh. Dinner dishes are waiting in the sink. Uh-huh. Shall we jump? Which concludes another brief interlude for Small House halfway up the next block. 